seems I'm all alone again. Does anybody care? This planet's empty. I see no signs of life. Please don't tell me that the human race did not survive. There are no people in the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Hey everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. Yes, it is Friday, February 10th, February 10th, 2023. Welcome to Raging Chickens, Friday Politics Roundup. Yes, this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Each week, we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress today and become a patron and help support. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And we are officially in... Dun, dun, dun! The lead up to the elections, everybody. Lead up to the school board elections. Yep, that's right. We got the primary coming up in May. And so we've got to make sure not to let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Levelfield to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You can get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. That's ragingchicken.levelfield.net. On this week's show, more than 22,000 people have been killed by the devastating earthquakes that have ravaged Turkey and Syria this week, and the death toll only continues to rise. There is a desperate need for humanitarian and medical assistance. Um, You can help by donating, just for two examples, uh, to Doctors Without Borders. You can go to doctorswithoutborders.org or to UNICEF, that's unicefusa.org. That's unicefusa.org, unicefusa.org. Um, be careful of scams. Um, as horrific as it is um, that people will actually try to profit off of this disaster, uh, they are out there. Um, make sure that your money is going to the right place. I know also the Red Crescent of Turkey um, also have been collecting donations. They've been on the, uh, the ground uh, right from the get-go. Um, Doctors Without Borders is always uh, a great place to go. Um, and, and UNICEF is, uh, you know, working to try to get children united with their families um, and deal with the trauma and the aftermath. So uh, if you can help out, please do. This week, Biden did some uh, political theater of his own at the State of the Union. Yep, that's right. He called out Republicans for wanting to cut Social Security. And they freaked out. And then on the spot, Biden basically got all the Republicans to stand and cheer that they don't want to cut Social Security or Medicare. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done, sir. Yeah, we'll see if the uh, Democrats who are running for office or who are kind of up for election or who are just kind of organizing <laughs> will use that to their advantage to put pressure upon Republican candidates. Let's hope. And if I don't know if you noticed this, I'm sure that you did. Also, which was brand new this year's State of the Union. 
well, actually, it sounded actually more like some kind of British Parliament session, right? With all the heckling that Republicans were doing. But with that aside, what really stood out to me was the new lapel pins. Did you catch them out? Yes, that's right. A whole bunch of Republican members of Congress, they were donning AR-15 lapel pins, right, next to their American flags. In some cases, just on the other side. Some cases, replace the American flag, you know, because guns are what matter. Right, everybody? Unbelievable that they would wear that to the State of the Union. Sorry about the ringing here. And do we need to talk about that balloon? Well, there was the balloon that got shot down, and then there was the balloon that kind of Marjorie Taylor Greene thought was the whole most hilarious thing that she could possibly ever do. I'm actually just waiting for uh, her outfit and her balloon to start showing up on kind of school boards as kind of the required outfit. You know, it's like all the all the women, right, will be dressed like Marjorie Taylor Greene in her kind of like white version of some kind of Disney evil villain right <laughs> and then all the all the men will have to dress up as like kind of like uh the QAnon shaman right that'll be kind of the required thing just to make sure everyone's gender identities are clear oh jesus christ anyways uh this week uh, right here kind of pennsylvania related news there's a whole lot of stuff going on but we'll do what we can uh senator john fetterman was admitted to the hospital after feeling lightheaded during a senate retreat on wednesday Tests found that Fetterman did not have another stroke. Um, they are running additional tests. Uh, we wish him all the best. Um, as we know, the recovery process can take some time. Um, and uh, everything's he says that things are looking good and the reports are good. So that's positive. Um, this week also, PA Democrats swept the three special elections, which gave them the outright majority in the state assembly. That is huge news because it's actually going to allow legislation to move forward. Um, everything's been deadlocked because Republicans have been refusing to um, like allow their to you know to allow the Democrats to move any kind of legislation or an agenda because of these three seats they're up. But now they have uh, Democrats have an outright majority in the state assembly, and we'll start seeing things moving soon. And uh, well. Zombie fungus, I hate to, hate to break it to you, the zombie fungus continues to spread as the voices of those infected by right-wing media and extremist politics flood the, flooded a local Telford PA council meeting. Uh, this has just been, you know, like new levels of, well, here we go. You see, the council wants to slash the public library's budget and hand it over to the police. Now, the police already receive about half of the town's resources, right? But the initial claims were... Uh, Telford, the borough, right? Uh, you know, we're, we're in uh, financial straits and the police are broke and they need money and we got we, we to do something. Well, it didn't take long before it to emerge that nope, nope, nope. It was just another example of the zombie fungus uh, showing up and uh, spouting all of the kind of most extremist versions <laughs> you can imagine about what's happening in public libraries and why public libraries should be shut down, right? Can you guess why? Yeah, I bet you can. I bet you can. We'll get into that. And in Central Buck School District, yeah, Walter Masterton of the political satire group, The Good Liars, showed up. Yep, he showed up at the board meeting as the district continues to be a laboratory for extremist politics. Uh, and he basically kind of, you know, was a public troll, troll in real life, right? About time these people got trolled and got some attention on it. Masterson actually went to Twitter and he said, you know, he goes like, uh, <laughs> the more I find out about 
what's happening at the Central Bucks uh, at the Central Bucks School District, you know, um, the more the worse it gets. So the more I find out, the worse it gets, right? And that's about right. That's about right. And the Penridge High School principal was arrested for a DUI this past weekend. Um, don't know any more details about that, but uh, that's been making its way around. So that's not another good look on this. Um, so we shall see where all that goes. Well, for more PA Progressive Talk, tune to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern, a YouTube channel, Twitter, or Facebook, and subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. Like that includes his, his shows on Free Speech TV, um, just the great work that he's doing, has been doing, and continues to do. And you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And you know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't heard, The Signal is a new podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. The Signal is hosted by the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril Michalako, Cyril Michalako, and is produced by yours truly. Twice a month, The Signal will shine a light on the right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests who can provide insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community towards calmer, saner, progressive roots. You can get it right now by heading over to the buckscountybeacon.podbean.com and soon to coming to absolutely every podcast application that's out there. And attention all you gamers, The Game In, that's with two N's, The Game In is a Quakertown-based black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show. They've got everything from retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. Kids get discounts when they get A's in the report card. You can't beat it. Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. Two ends. You got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a shout out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Dayman, with two ends at Song of Dayman on Twitter. Coming up on this Monday, February 13th, it's like our pre Valentine's Day show. We've got Alyssa Bowen. Alyssa Bowen will be back on the show talking about her recent piece in Truth Out. The right has expanded its dark money strategy for dominating the school boards and the deep pockets behind it all. Alyssa Bowen, of course, is a senior researcher at the uh, True North Research. Um, and she is, uh, she's been on the show a few times uh, exposing the money networks behind the extremism that we're seeing in our communities. And if you missed Out the Coop Live this past Monday, man, do not miss my interview with Hannah Leffingwell. Um, that was on her recent piece in the Chronicle of Higher Education, The Academic Career is Broken and the Need for Fundamental Change in Higher Ed. But more important about the deep crisis in values and about whether we keep doing what we're doing, right? Uh, her argument is that, look, the simple revisions around the edges aren't going to cut it anymore. We need a revolution, not a revision of higher education. Check out that interview. You can find it on our podcast. You can also find it on our YouTube channel. Um, there for you to stream. And look, everybody, if you want a progressive future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punch's homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight and we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement and the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. 
Well, welcome, everybody. It has been uh, yet another week, uh, you know, uh, that may sound odd because every week is a week. Uh, but it just always seems that the um, the insanity doesn't stop. And um, that's it is what it is. Um, uh, this week obviously has necessarily been dominated by the news of uh, the aftermath, really, of the earthquakes um, that devastated Turkey and Syria. And, of course, the context there is, you know, um, the, the ongoing civil war in Syria, um, the kind of repression um, um, Syrian has led to just kind of like tens of thousands of Syrian refugees fleeing the country, um, looking to get out of the conflict. Um, many of them are in these refugee centers and camps in, in Turkey. Um, you've got a region of Turkey and Syria that is poor um, and, um, and, you know, not the easiest places to reach, especially when it comes to uh, external aid that would be coming in from the West. A lot of the ways um, other the alternative routes in have been blocked in part because of the conflict in Syria. Um, so, uh, and one of, apparently one of the major passes, one of the major entrance points where uh, humanitarian aid is let through uh, was basically uh, kind of reduced to rubble or kind of collapsed so that uh, they could even get the aid through. So it's been a chore getting things through. Now, um, I'm sure that in the, um, the, the you know, days, weeks, and months ahead, Years ahead, really, we're going to be hearing um, um, about you know some of the deep criticism of what's been you know uh, the responsiveness of you know the Turkish government of Erdogan's uh, you know basically complete you know I mean just basically flying the authoritarian flag all through this um, you know shutting down any criticism of the government's response um, and social media. Um, uh, basically threatening individuals who speak out or raise issues, um, what's going on. So I mean, there's that going on, the ongoing conflict in Syria, the um, always, um, you know, it always seems we're going to see criticism of the UN and other agencies for not getting there quickly enough. Uh, we're going to see, you know, the emergence of scams of people trying to profit off of this stuff. So it's like all that's kind of happening and will happen and that will continue to go on. Um, for me, the, the focus right now is, is so importantly on, on, on the people. And, uh, now I know it's, you know, given money <laughs> just by, you know, given money doesn't completely solve the problem, but it's something that we can do. Um, and just to make sure that if you're donating to anybody that you're donating to a reputable organization, you're not, it's not going to be a fly by night thing. If you don't know the organization, not familiar with it, make sure you check it out. Um, the, the two ones that I'm suggesting um, that people go to, these are some of my go-to um, folks in, in disasters, Doctors Without Borders. Um, doctors Without Borders, they are kind of like, you know, kind of the doctors who are always on the ground. They um, work in really uh, difficult situations where you have natural disasters, where you have humanitarian crises. Um, and regardless of... Uh, you know, political affiliations or all that, they are there to make sure that people get the care that they need in the midst of disasters. Um, they're a, a fantastic organization. Um, and so that's where some of my money is going. And also you can check out, for example, UNICEF. Um, oh, I should say Doctors Without Borders. You can go to doctorswithoutborders.org. Um, you can put a donation there. There's a big splash page that'll come up. Um, or you can go on UNICEF, and that's unicefusa.org. Um they're going to be working with children and um, families and trying to making sure that they're kind of reuniting children and families. 
um, giving the families the care that they need to make sure the kids um, have kind of access to, you know, food, medical care, and all that other kinds of stuff. Um, there are many other organizations. I've also mentioned the, um, the Turkish Red Crescent um, has been on the ground um, from the beginning. Um, so, you know, do what you can. Um, you know, if you know of local organizations that um, Turkish or Syrian organizations, I know I was looking this morning to look for a place and I just started a little bit too late um, to find them before the show. I know that um, there's a fairly uh, substantial Syrian um, uh, population, immigrant population in um, the Lehigh Valley. And so I'm sure that there's some organizations going to merge at the Lehigh Valley that are there. I will try to kind of look those up after the show and put them in the show notes. Um, so if you want to donate something that's more, that's going to be a little bit more direct um, than um, Doctors Up Orders or UNICEF and so on. So there. My The other thing is, too, that we're going to have to, you know, this is going to immediately impact what happens in our politics in the sense that um, you have a lot of people that are, have, are going to be completely displaced. And um, the question is, they're going to need places to go, right? Um, and I think that's part of our job is to, you know, make sure that, you know, our government, um, whether it's statewide government or, you know, national government is going to be receptive in opening our doors um, to people in need, families in need, individuals in need um, to, you know, deal with this. And, you know, I, I was talking with my wife about this and I said, you know, it's um, the... This is kind of one of those 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 test moments, right? About what our future is going to look like. Um, this is obviously a natural disaster that you know nobody caused this natural disaster. We can absolutely talk about how you know civil war, about authoritarianism, about lack of you know um, investment in infrastructure, about the ongoing kind of disparities between the kind of the, the West and the rest of the world. All this kind of stuff obviously plays into the factor. So every natural disaster is not simply a natural disaster, right? There's always, you know, systemic, political, historical um, effects that are going on there. But um, having said that, you know, this is, this is an earthquake. And not the not too distant future is that we're going to see scenarios like this being playing out um, all over the world uh, on a fairly regular basis as climate change gets worse. Um, and you know, this is this is one of these moments where we're going to kind of set a precedent for how we treat others um, in the midst of um, disasters that are not of their own making. Because if you recall, you know, most of the people who that are going to be the, you know, who are going to be affected the worst by the oncoming climate crisis are going to be people who are poor, right? People in kind of developing nations, the global south, um, and, and they didn't cause this, you know, they didn't cause the climate crisis. It's, um, so this is, you know, it's another moment of reckoning. Um, it's a different thing entirely, but... Um, right now, the number one thing is, you know, see if we can, you know, help get some resources to people who've been, who are going to be in need. Um, I, I don't know if people watched the State of the Union this week. Oh, excuse me. I was tired this morning. Uh, watch the State of the Union this week. Um, I didn't actually watch it. Um, 
I yeah, I just I didn't <laughs> I just didn't really have the stomach for the th- for the the theater and for the commentary and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I went to bed early, but I did catch you know clips the next day. Heard some great kind of discussions of it, and uh, you know whether it was by design or by accident. Um, what happened on Tuesday night was amazing in the fact that Biden basically calls out that some Republicans, and he says, he's like even kind of, you know, careful, more careful than I would like, right? But even careful, say like some Republicans want to sunset Social Security, make it go away, right? And they go all up in arms, ah, right? Meanwhile, that language about sunsetting Social Security comes from, a, a document that Rick Scott, the guy, the Republican who's like ahead of the Senate kind of, what is it called? This uh, Republican Senate Electoral Committee or whatever it is. The ones that are the, the committee that he leads to get Republicans elected to the Senate. That was on his document to this is what our platform should be. Sunset all federal programs and make them have the revote for them every five years. All federal programs. Guess what are the biggest federal programs? Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, to a certain degree, right? And so, no, the platform didn't say end Social Security, right? They did it. They couched it in language that is basically to try to pull one over on the American people by saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to try to end federal programs. And look, if it's a good enough program, you can re- you can you can do it again, right? So basically, the idea would be that, that nobody would have to take a vote to cut Social Security, right? If they pass that, they pass a lot of sunset all federal programs, guess what happens? After five years, all they have to do is not vote to not pass another law to re, you know, to kind of keep Social Security going. And then it goes away in one fell swoop. And they, they never have to stand up and say, well, I, I didn't vote against Social Security. It's like, you know, they want to, they're setting themselves up so they can have the cake and eat it too kind of thing. Right. So it's in it's a, in Republican. Then you got like, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, I can't believe him. From, Mike Lee. Right. Mike Lee sitting there like, oh, I can't believe this guy's saying this. This is crazy. Right. Meanwhile, there's like video of him for like not too long ago talking to a group room of donors, basically saying, if you don't want to cut Social Security and Medicare, I don't know what I mean. That's what I'm here to do. Right. And then there he is, like shaking his head in disbelief that how could Biden say such a thing on the floor? It was just like. It was like, my God. And look, if you know, you know, if you're over a certain age, right, and you're looking ahead to Social Security, you're pretty aware of who's trying to cut Social Security. <laughs> right. So by Biden saying that, right, by making it public and calling them out like that, and then having this outrage, and you say, Oh, so I guess you're all behind me then, right? So that means that so the, the the cuts to Social Security and Medicare are off the table, and everyone's like, yeah! So now you've got all these Republicans standing up saying, that's off the table, we are not going to cut it. Then you've got the next couple days, right? You've got Republican leaders going on, like, news shows saying that, no, they will not cut Social Security, they will not do this stuff, right? What an opportunity, right? This means that every single time that, that a Democrat runs for office, they got to remind their opponent of that commitment that they took on that day. No, no way they're going to cut this. Matter of fact, we should expand it, right? This is a point that Sam Cedar made on the majority report this week. Absolutely, right? The next move, you want to say, what do you do with a moment like that? You said, I am glad that we're finally at a point that we can put to rest finally the idea that we should cut Social Security and Medicare. We're at a point where, you know, our seniors have been taken care of. You know what? And if it's good enough for our seniors, 
right? It should be good enough for everybody, right? That's why we want to expand Social Security. We want to expand Medicare, right? Instead of staying, you know, when are we going to bring it down to 45, you know, when you start, you know, qualifying for um, kind of Medicare? Let's, let's see. Let's see the kind of buying. Matter of fact, just extend it to everybody, right? You know, they, they have the opportunity to kind of like take that momentum and push it forward, right? And make the Republicans make their arguments. Where meanwhile, right, Democrats can be making the argument for things that people want, <laughs> right? And let the Republicans be the ones who come out and say like, well, nope, sorry, you can't have your pony. Kind of like what Hillary Clinton did. Remember that when Hillary Clinton did that? So that Bernie was promising everyone a pony and you just can't have a pony. Unbelievable. But, but anyways, but, you know, make the Republicans make that argument. Right, the Democrats can keep the momentum on this one. So, like, all good on Joe Biden uh, um, for his handling of that. Uh, he didn't get rattled by the heckling at all, right? Um, which I think that he actually enjoys that. Uh, I think he actually enjoyed that kind of kind of engagement. He got that kind of like that, you know, the famous Biden rise smile and this kind of stuff. Okay, come on, you want to you want to kind of tussle a little bit? Okay, we'll do that. Um, so, I, you know, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Um, so that's great. Um, and then all we also saw at the State of the Union that uh, Republicans had to uh, are gonna are trying to kind of double down on the uh, the gun issue by donning AR-15 lapel pins at the State of the Union. That kind of was like, are you kidding me? Like after the series of mass shootings, you're gonna go and you are going to kind of say we are here to protect the weapons that kill our people in our community. That slaughter our kids in schools. That the fanatics and the extremists get a hold of and they go into slaughter. We want to defend their right to do that. We want to defend those guns because those guns have more rights than those kids. Wow. That is something. And meanwhile, I forget. I'm just going to forget where it was. There was, um, uh, let me see if I can, if I can put this, um, Guns, children. I forgot to tag this one. This one was the one that kind of really, oh, Missouri, right? So Missouri voted against banning children from carrying guns in public. Did you get that? Okay, let me just, this is, this is reporting from The Guardian, right? So Republican-led legislator rejects the measure to prevent minors from carrying firearms in public without adult supervision. So the Republican-led Missouri State House on a Wednesday voted against banning minors from openly carrying firearms in public without um, uh, adult supervision. The proposal to ban children from carrying guns without adult supervision in public failed by a 104 to 39 vote. Only one Republican voted in support. A Democrat, Donna Beringer, said police in her district asked for the change to stop 14-year-olds walking down the, the middle of the street in the city of St. Louis carrying AR-15s. Now they're being it. They've been now they have been emboldened, and they are walking around with them. Baron just said until they actually brandish them and brandish them with intent. Our police officers' hands are handcuffed. In 2017, Missouri lawmakers repealed concealed carry requirements in most situations. Right. So basically, you know, this is like after, you know, we saw these kind of people showing up to to Black Lives Matter protests carrying their AR-15s. Right. We saw the fatal shoot, all this kind of stuff. Right. And all we want to do is say, look, if you're a minor, you can't carry 
guns in public because you're a minor. And the Republican-led legislator, by a look at the vote of 104 to 39, said, nope, anybody could carry him. What? What are they, elementary school? That's all right, because the guns have rights to be carried. The guns have rights. And so the Republicans, obviously donning their AR-15 pins uh, at the State of the Union this week, think that's, that was a huge victory for them to make sure that young kids can, can carry weapons even with right openly in public all around the place, even without adult supervision. That's incredible to me. That's incredible to me. But, you know, it shouldn't be, right? I mean, that's the thing, is it shouldn't be incredible because this is, this is who these people are. Well, anyways, other fun stuff from the State of the Union, of course, was the uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene always putting on a show. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene putting on the show by uh, carrying on a big white balloon, right? That's her troll, you know, because the China balloon and Joe Biden, Joe Biden's letting China have its balloons over us. And, oh, we're weak now because of Biden. And she thought it was so funny. As she's dressed in her kind of like, you know, like flamboyant white villain costume, right? Carrying her balloon down the stairs, having someone kind of like stream it live, thinking it's so great. I think it's like, it's unbelievable. Right. Meanwhile, the Pentagon saying, yeah, yeah, actually there was actually four balloons over the past, you know, several years that have been, uh, that China has floated over there. Right. And those other ones, guess what happened during the Trump administration? Of course, doesn't matter. Right. But the Pentagon's, oh, no, no, that's, that's been happening. There's been a, there's been an issue for a while. We're glad we finally took action on it. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's like, whatever, here we go. I got a Chinese spy balloon, right? Like at a normal times, this would be kind of like a minor crisis. But now, you know, it's like, it's become, it's become just like more grist for the political mill for these Republicans. It's incredible. And meanwhile, you know, it's also got me concerning. I, you know, I didn't put anything in the, in the show notes about this today, but um. It's been something I've been thinking about a lot, you know, and I actually have a, a student of mine who's actually doing some work on this. But um, if you look at what's, you know, the setup here, because Anthony Blinken, right, uh, Secretary of State was supposed to go to China, right? Um, and it was, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't really clearly spelled out what was going to happen in that little summit, but it was the first time Secretary of State had been there in quite some time. Um, he was going to go and ostensibly, you know, there's been these rising tensions between the U.S. and China, which have been really kind of instigated. Um, or I should say instigated. I said, you know, because there's been tensions that have been growing for a long time. But Biden's, the Biden administration seems to be willing to, you know, want to kind of play tough with China, right? And kind of want to, um, you know, do that kind of stuff and kind of try to play like, yes, we want to be friends, but, you know, it's also convenient to have you as kind of like the replacement for the Soviet Union in this kind of narrative that we're still working with, you know, because we don't have a new one yet. So it's been interesting. But, you know, after this whole balloon thing, you got, of course, you know, the rhetoric kind of ratched up from China and from the U.S. Um, and then more importantly, what happened after that was uh, U.S. gained like an additional four military bases. Uh, I don't know if all of them were in Singapore or if just three of them were, but, you know, basically strengthening this kind of ring of military bases um, kind of around, you know, around the China seas. So 
uh, not Chinese, but the sea around China is what I mean to say. Um, so it's, you know, ramping up more kind of military kind of engagement is, you know, is concerning. And so you have that happening at the same time that we're seeing that, um, you know, that, you know, the war in Ukraine is over a year old now and continues that you have, um, uh, um, President Zelensky is in Europe this week. You know, he was just in Brussels and went to France and all this stuff. And I guess that France or France and England, I guess, are going to um, pledge uh, fighter jets um, to Ukraine. Um, Ukraine is digging in along um, a whole series of fronts where they expect that um, Russian troops will be are going to start another kind of offensive in the coming coming weeks or months. Um, that's kind of escalating. We're seeing more military conflict going in there. Uh, Russia seems to just want to just keep on destroying stuff. Um, and then now we've got this other kind of potential hot conflict with China going on. Um, that's never good for the rest of us. You know what I mean? It's never good for the rest of us. So uh, we're, we'll see what happens there. So as we got, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, um, going on in the news this week, but um I do want to focus in on some things that uh, that are happening here locally. That it just it just it's incredible, um, and it's amazing that that they continue to go on. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know the continued spread of the zombie fungus uh, throughout Bucks County and beyond. So so this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. We're going to take this quick break, and we will be back with you in just a minute. You can help support the show by going on to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can go on Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1971. That was the day that's known in Great Britain as the Battle of Saltley Gate. 30,000 Birmingham engineers had walked out in solidarity with a strike held by the National Union of Mine Workers. The miners were taking a stand against austerity pay. The Saltley Coking Works had become the epicenter in the national labor struggle. During the labor dispute, the miners' union and the government had agreed that coal would only go to priority customers like hospitals. But Saltley defied the agreement and kept their gates open. A long line of trucks formed to enter the depot. The workers knew that if Saltley continued to operate, it would undermine their strike. The call went out for a mass action to close the gates. Between 10 and 15,000 working people answered the call. The Evening Mail described the scene with a front page story writing, below trade union banners, a sea of faces stretched for as far as the eye could see. And there was a great roar as the gates shut for the first time since picketing began last week. Faced with such a crowd, security workers from the depot were forced to close the gate. The crowd erupted with a cheer. Arthur Scarhill, president of the Miners Union, climbed onto a roof to address the crowd, declaring, if working people are united, they can achieve anything. The victory was a turning point. A little over a week later, the government had agreed to a pay raise for the miners. A solid wall are we, close the gates, close the gates. Our strength is unity, close the gates. We 
the crust and yes, through hunger, doubt and fears, we are the engineers. Close the gates, close the gates. We like what you hear? Check out more at laborhistoryin2.com. Everybody, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, here to dive in is what's happening here in PA. Um, um, obviously, our, our thoughts go out to John Fetterman. Uh, Senator Fetterman was uh, admitted to the hospital after feeling lightheaded during a Senate retreat on Wednesday. Um, apparently, he's doing okay, um, but he's still kind of in recovery, running some additional tests. Let's see what goes on. I mean, not only is it something about Fetterman itself, it's also, you know, <laughs> the balance of the Senate. Um, so it's fairly kind of significant and important um, for here. Um, but, you know, got to say that in some of the statements that Fetterman has released since then, I mean, it's really, you know, I think it's really good to see that he continues to not kind of back away from kind of a stroke, but actually sees this as a way to kind of further shed light on the kind of the importance of kind of recovery in this time that there's going to need and the care, um, how kind of strokes impact people and, um, you know, wishing the best. Um Big news um, in kind of electoral politics here in the state. So, of course, there were three special elections um, in Pennsylvania on Tuesday. And uh, the Associated Press called them fairly quickly. Um, because And, you know, it was a, they were kind of strongly Democratic seats. Um, there was one, there was a, a death of one, uh, of, of, uh, of one uh, representative. And uh, Summer Lee, of course, is now kind of in Congress. Um, Another special election, someone else kind of moved up. So you've got this, um, there were there Democratic districts, um, and uh, they were running, there were, uh, the Democrats were expected to take these seats, and they did, um, So which is good. So now you've got, um, you know, uh, in the 32nd district, uh, you had um, Joe McAndrew. He's a former executive director of the Allegheny County Democratic Committee. He defeated uh, the Republican challenger. Um, the seat was a member. It was the guy from Tony DeLuca, and Tony DeLuca had um, had had died um, in this past October from lymphoma. Um, he was actually uh, the longest serving member of the Pennsylvania House before his death. Um, so that was one of the districts that was up for special election. There wasn't enough time to run an election for, after he had died um, to have that election in November. So uh, Joe McAndrew won in the thirty fourth district. Um, uh, Abigail Salisbury, she's a Democratic lawyer. Um, she won against her Republican uh, challenger. Uh, and it's kind of notable, too, as well. She's a lawyer, and her, the challenger was a security guard and former police officer. Um, but uh, thank God that she won this. Uh, Salisbury is going to fill the seat of Summer Lee because, um, I mean, obviously she's the most progressive person that we had in the state house. that she basically... Um, uh, if that seat had been lost and turned over to a cop, that would have been that would have been something. So uh, Abigail Salisbury will be taking um, Summer Lee's old seat, which is fantastic. And then the 35th district, uh, Matt Gurgley, he's a Democrat. He was a chief revenue officer in McKeesport, PA, um, defeated his Republican challenger, um, and um, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, so you've got those three seats um, that we'll hear. Um, so that used to be oh that used to be Austin Davis's uh, seat I should I should have said that up top Austin Davis who is now the uh, lieutenant governor of um, uh, of Pennsylvania that was the other seat that needed to be elected so 
finally those three seats that's those are seated and now the democrats hold a 102 to 101 seat advantage um in there so that is a a very slim majority for sure but is the first time in something like what uh 12 years i guess um 12 years 15 years i think it's 12 years for the um the state legislature to be in the hands of the democrats so we shall see now um hopefully we're gonna actually get to see some um some positive moves um towards uh like legislation beginning moved and so on Thus far, um, the Democrats, even though they, they control it, even though they have elected the state or the Speaker of the House, they have been unable to move any um, legislation because the Republicans have refused to allow that stuff to move forward um, because they were just arguing over, over rules and, you know, the timing of special elections and all those other kinds of stuff, really just trying to slow up the machine so that Democrats would have less time to get things done. Um, now that's going to change. We're going to see what's going to happen uh, moving forward. So that's a that's pretty big news here in Pennsylvania. Um, it's uh, we got a lot of fight against us, especially as you know we are in budget crunch time. So we're going to see between now and June 30th when the budget is due, due to pass the budget, um, whether or not they'll do that in time is going to be an open question. But uh, a lot of folks um, are going to be depending on that. That's also important. I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but. You know that historic lawsuit um, um, about the 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 unconstitutionality of Pennsylvania school funding. Um, well, you know, education won, <laughs> right? I don't think we did talk about it last week, but um, yes, indeed, the Commonwealth Court found that yes, that uh, Pennsylvania is in violation of its constitution um, by the way that it is uh, inequitably uh, funding. Um, and underfunding schools, particular particular districts. You know, Pennsylvania um, has in their constitution a right to education, and um, the, they found the court found in this like what seven hundred page ruling, I think something like that, or maybe it's four hundred page. I, I don't know, but it's a really significant kind of ruling, spelling out all the reasons why, all the evidence um, that court case has come to conclusion, and uh, now the state legislature. Uh, state legislature is going to have to address um, this funding issue. Um, and there's no way they could address it while everything was kind of, uh, kind of you know, up in the air. But now the Democrats are going to have the opportunity to really put forward um, an initiative to address that. Right. And again, this is a great opportunity, just politically speaking for a great opportunity to put Republicans on their heels. Basically say, look, this is unconstitutional. We are trying to respond to this. We're going to make sure that we have equitable funding and abide by the Constitution. And then the Republicans will have to sit there and make the argument, no, we want to violate the Constitution. We want to continue to violate the Constitution, right? Because really, it's all about race politics, right? Um, it's all about race politics in this state. So Republicans, you know, they're all, they want to make sure that all the kind of, you know, uh, the predominantly um, the school districts that are predominantly black and people of color, right? They want to make sure that those are underfunded. Right. Because not only are they black and people of color, kind of a lot of those districts, they're also kind of strongly Democratic districts like Philadelphia, for example, like Pittsburgh, for example, like Harrisburg, for example, like Lehigh Valley, like all the Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton. Right. So they want to make sure that like, oh, no, what are we going to do now? We're going to have to equally fund them. Oh, my God. Guess what? Now those people that we don't want to vote, that we keep on trying to prevent them from vote, now those people are going to have access to education, too. What is the world coming to? That's what the Republicans are going to have to make the case. Right. And the only people that are going to be sympathetic to that argument are going to be their extremist base, right? Um, but the rest of us, not so much. <laughs> so, you know, this is a huge win. 
This is a huge win um, uh, in the courts. And now we're going to see that uh, the Democrats have the outright majority. Um, will they push strongly forward um, to grant to get education funding um, for uh, like every kid in this in this Commonwealth? We shall see. So uh, another like just incredible moment. Um, so there's this story. I, I just like I was like, man, you know what? There, there was I want to say I don't remember if it was the last time that we had Alyssa Bowen on the program or if it was somebody else that was on the on the program. I'm just I'm just like, you know, all this dark money discussion starts to bleed together for me sometimes, you know, so especially around things like this where I remember talking about this and reading about this, but I, I'm not sure when uh, how, what was it like the central focus, but what um, what we had heard was that um, the same people that were going after, um, you know, the school boards, attempting to take over the school boards, these, you know, the same extremist brand of right-wing politics, right, had been infected by, inf excuse me, <laughs> had been infected by the zombie virus, right, or the zombie fungus, I should say, um, right, and started spewing out um, all these kind of crazy conspiracy theories, right, informed by QAnon and extreme right-wing media, um, Basically, it starts spouting off this stuff about, you know, the grooming of kids and the forced, like, transitioning and all this other kinds of craziness that was going out there. So um, there have been some reporting about this and some indications that um, some of these right-wing groups were going to start targeting public libraries, too, right? They thought about that was like one of the next steps forward, right, is to actually go after other sources of um, open information um, for people. And sure enough, it did not take long before uh, we began to see this happening right here locally. So this is from uh, reporting by John Worthington for uh, The Reporter um, and uh, from Montgomery, Montgomery News. I just want to read this for you a little bit just so you understand a little bit of the context. Now, Telford, right, is a, you know, literally it's like a stone's throw practically from where I live, right? It's in the... Uh, you know, if you basically take um, from where we are in the Penridge, where I am, this Penridge School District, you go to, say, uh, Central Bucks School District, right, in Doylestown, right, Telford's kind of like in the other direction. It's probably actually a little closer to me than um, uh, than Doylestown is even. But it's kind of like, you know, so it's on the other end, and I believe it is in Montgomery County. Um, but so here you go. So Telford, tensions flared at a heated Telford Borough Council meeting on Monday. This is a borough council meeting, right? It was over a sizable cut to the budget of the local Indian Valley Public Library, right? That's what that region is referred to as. While the budget was finalized in November, the issue was struck a chord of the community with historic crowd turning out for the meeting, right? So they'd never had a crowd like this turn out before. There were people lined up outside, um, like all like to get in. They would not let everybody in. It was a small building to begin with. So only a small number of people could get in to actually kind of give commentary for here. Um, so, a, so the crowd was so large that only a small portion were admitted to the building. Protesters remained outside for the duration of the meeting with signs supporting the library. Right um, now, from what I under, quote, from what I understand, this may be the largest meeting on, on Telford Boroughs has had in 30 years, said Council President William Ashley. Natalie Simonetti, um, organizer of the effort to protect the library's funding, kicked off the public comment period. She revealed that she is a survivor for childhood sexual abuse and advised concerned residents to spend their time actually helping children, uh, child sexual abuse victims. 
She then pulled out a Bible and read a verse from Genesis in which the towns the townsmen of Sodom threatened to rape two angels, uh, saying, uh, staying at the home of Lot, who offers his virgin daughters to them instead. Quote, is this pornography? Simonetti asked. No, because context matters. She went on to accuse Councilmember Robert Jacobus of writing an email about a plan to defund the Indian Valley Public Library due to its promotion of the LBGT agenda. Now, in response, Jacobus admitted to writing the email but claimed that it was altered, um, and then he presented a report accusing the library of showing illicit activity to children, including instructional material on gay sex, which he argued can cause anal tearing. I'll talk about that in a second. So he went into this. So now here's the thing. What happened initially is the, the council basically said, oh, we have to cut this budget because we, we, we have no money. We have to cut this budget because the police need our money. Right. And, you know, the police, are, as I said at the top of the show, they already receive half of the borough's like total revenue. Right. Goes to the police department. Right. Um, and this is nothing but. Right. And so here's someone that got up and kind of talked about wanted the budget cut. You know, tried tried to kind of say this was a um, Caitlin Durstein. Right. Expressed support of the budget cut, arguing that the library has been overfunded at the expense of the police force. I don't think I've ever, ever encountered a library that's overfunded, right? They're always making do. She further accused the library of having a one-sided agenda and asked the council to pause the library's funding until council members from local municipalities are represented on its board of trustees. Do you see what they're trying to do? They're doing the same thing. They're trying to like every, every kind of place of access to free information, open information, right? Critical information, they want to now control. And the organization on the right has been so effective, right? In teaching teaching folks, teaching like these people, these ground floor folks, you know, grassroots, quote unquote, like folks to basically know what you need to do is you need to be on those committees and you need to be the majority on those councils so that you get to control the agenda. And that's exactly what they're doing. Durstein was really upset, you see, because she said, any municipality that's giving to the library should have a say by the elected officials that are there, said Durstein. Quote, it's hard walking into a library that constantly has displays that are only one agenda, but they can't even wish us Merry Christmas on Facebook when it's Christmas time. <laughs> I just like, I can't even believe this is real. Can you believe we're actually living in this time? This is what is happening in our, like, our borough council meetings? They're trying to defund, now they're trying to defund, you know, again, it's like this. Okay, they said there was a group of people on the left that said defund the police. So what are we going to do? Oh, tit for tat, we're going to defund the libraries because those people like libraries. So we're going to defund them, right? It's just, it's just pretty amazing, right? So he's like, it didn't take long. Well, here, the funny thing was, is that because the, you know, the borough council tried to pretend that this was about, like, you know, lack of funds. I mean, they couldn't even contain themselves, right, for this. But I want to give you a sense of the, the kind of things that were being said at this borough council meeting, just so that you, just so that we're all remembering this, Okay. And to say that this is how the, you know, this is why I'm calling it the zombie fungus, right? Because it has been spread through, it has been spread through this like 
infection, you know, this infection that caused by this kind of extreme right wing media, it is kind of like is infected churches, is it infected, you know, not every single church, right, but it's infected these right wing churches, is it infected, infected local Republican parties. And so now this is the sea that they swim in, right? The fungus is now operating these people, right? Because I, I just can't believe this. So Thanks again. Thanks to all our patrons here and uh, my, the reworking of my little studio here. I get to play some of this for you. So this first piece here is a parent who shows up to this meeting and she's really upset. Uh, and she wants this, you know, the funding cut because of the agenda of the library. So I'm just going to play you a clip um, from her comments and we'll talk about it. So here you go. So it's the children's section that I am very deeply concerned about and, and, and having a, pub, a library of associate to read a book and explain in a toddler story time, swooning. I, I, I just can't imagine trying to then have to understand, like, teach my son words that he doesn't need to know about. And yes, in school, I did learn and hear words. And then, you know, you ask your parents and they say, no, that is not a word that we say in this house, what have you. The what issue, is swooning, Pete? Just tell me what swooning is. Uh, so, I, so, I so, so it was in the context of a, uh, a prince and the princesses were swooning on him from themselves. Okay, right. And they explained and expressed that these women are throwing themselves at the prince. I never had that happen. So you got that? So there was a book in the children's section that there was a, a part that there's the, the word swooning was used. That like women or girls or princesses were swooning over the prince. Okay? Now, let's be clear. Her objection was not that we should have we should not have books in the library that represent this kind of gendered behavior where women or girls are somehow kind of so caught up over this magnificent man that they should like nearly faint at his feet, right? We should not be we should not be supporting those kind of gender stereotypes. No, 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 no. Right? No, it wasn't the woke mob. <laughs> right book right that's not that's not her that's not her objection right her objection is not that it, and again you got all like the people who are kind of like whatever I, I don't know left of crazy are looking are like what and the one guy in the audience if you heard him say basically said wait 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 he's like maybe she doesn't understand what swooning is right maybe she's like so says there, uh, can you tell me what swooning is? What, what is swooning? And she describes it accurately, right? So she did know, but somehow, even the kind of like hint at, I don't know, some kind of like sexual attraction. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I mean, it's like, that is too much. And that is just too much for her delicate son's ears that she does not want those words used in her house. And now she has to have this conversation with her son about the word swooning. Now, look, the point here 
is that I believe that that woman saw this kind of connection, right? Because I think that is the kind of, to use my academic language, the discursive environment, right? That's the cube. That's the conversation that she is having with others in her family and her community. And it tells you who's in that community. They're looking at everything. Everything becomes about sexualization now. Anything that they see is about the corruption of children because they've been taught to believe this. And I know some of those churches down there in Telford, and I know some of the people that come out of those churches down there, and I've heard what they've had to say. And it's this similar kind of stuff. I, I think I told the story before. This is, you know, this is not in, in Telford, but it's, it's right on the border with Telford. I went to a CVS to get, um, you know, to get uh, one of my vaccines, right? It was one of my boosters. And ended up having this kind of argument with the guy who gave me the, you know, it was a pharmacist. The guy who gave me my vaccine tries to get me involved in this conversation that's about this anti-vaxxing government conspiracy stuff. This is the guy giving me the vaccine. He's from that same area that this woman is so concerned about the swooning, right? I mean, I literally, I listened to that several different times. And I'm like, wait, I can't be understanding this correctly. And then, but nope, that's it. Just like that, that guy said in that audience, wait, 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 you just tell me what swooning is. And she explains it correctly. And you're like, you know, people are just like, I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, that's the degree of censorship that they're talking about. They believe there's a children's book that talks about a princess or a woman, say, swooning before a prince. That's intense. I mean, that's deep. Like the fungus is fully penetrated at that point. I don't know what the fungicide is, but that's that's get rid of that. We that's that's the fungus we got to get rid of right there. Because what's coming out? I don't believe that. Not just that woman, but you know, and I I I don't want to just pick on her because it's not you know it's not just her. I want that. And I, I and I'm not playing that. Because I just think we should all, like, make fun of her. Like, that's not the point. The point is that I, for that woman to get to the point of having that level of concern to show up to a borough council, council meeting to cut funding to the library on the belief that the public librarians are grooming kids and putting our children in danger, that's, that's some deep, that's deep. So, so there's that. So, and I mentioned before that, you know, when I started to read a little piece of this, that um, the council first had said that it was trying to cut the funds because, um, you know, they didn't have any money, but, you know, it, you know, they didn't have money, but that didn't even last, right? Because, you know, once somebody got a hold of this email, right, by this guy, Jacobus, uh, Jacobus, right, Robert Jacobus, he's a council member. Um, he basically said they want to they want to defund and he's we want to defund uh, the Indian Valley Public Library due to his promotion of the LBGT uh, LBGT agenda. In his words, he said it was taken out of context. That's not what he was saying. So let's see. So this is the guy who cannot contain himself, right? I mean, this guy is not even a good kind of like you know 
uh, extremists, right? In the way that, say, Joan Cullen over in, in Penridge School District is. This guy can't contain himself, right? Because for him, this is just normal talk. This is what rational human beings sound like. Because in his community, the people that he is talking about, the, the, the spores have gotten everybody, so everybody's nodding along with this guy. I mean, not everybody at the meeting. There's a lot of people at the meeting that he's talking to at this point that are just like, cannot believe it's coming out of this guy's mouth. So to set the scene for you a little bit, in this, in this clip I'm going to play of Robert Jacobus, he is like kind of like sitting on a table kind of thing and kind of like explaining to everybody about like why he wants to defund this and why they're pushing this agenda. So this is Robert Jacobus. He is the, uh, he is a council member and the Telford uh, city council. So our uh, borough council. So let's see, here you go. This is him. In general, what has happened is we have Pennsylvania obscenity laws that protect children from being tempted and going down a moral road that will be self-destructive. But in the library, what we have is ultimately how-to books on how to have anal sex. With no regard to what happens, I refer a medical, I'm the director of a medical society, that if you have anal sex as a young man, you can have tearing of your anus. That then semen, CERN, is a protein. And that protein gets into the blood system, and that crashes the immune system. And that is why diseases like AIDS, gay men's bowel disease, hepatitis, rip through the community. So encouraging a child to participate in this activity is a public health hazard and destructive to their very soul. So call me a Christo-fascist, but there are probably north of 100 books I already looked at, and I wasn't even trying. I spent three hours researching to do this report. It'll be available. Anybody can grab it. It'll also probably have to be put out on our website from the Sunshine Laws, because I sent it out to the, the Borough Council. But folks, this is not about defunding the library. It's about stopping the damage of children, period. There it is, right? Call me a Christo-fascist if you will, but I'm not a Christo-fascist. I'm just a Christo-fascist. I mean, a couple important things here. The guy is a medical director someplace, and I, I, I haven't looked that up yet. I, gotta, I really got to look this up. I just been, I, I've been, I've been whatever. Um, <clears throat> anyways, but he's a, he's a, he's a borough council member, right? Um, and, uh, oh, at the Jacobus Medical Center with one practicing physician. Oh, it's his thing. He's a medical director of his own office. Is that it? The Jacobus Medical Center? <laughs> Whatever. I can't, I can't even, I can't even, I can't do this now. Stop myself right now. Um, but so one, he says he's a medical director and he's supposedly kind of like espousing medical knowledge. And so he's basically saying that number one, he's saying all the library is, right? What the library is about, right? They have books in here instructing kids about how to have anal sex, right? And God knows what the hell book he's, he, he's talking about, but we shall see. So uh, what he said, so he said, I got filed this report. The report's going to be available. I spent three hours researching anal sex. <laughs> it was a long three hours, <laughs> but whatever. But he's like, so he finds this. And then he says that, well, 
the semen is a protein and it gets into the bloodstream and that causes like, you know, immune systems to crash. And then therefore this, they're hurting kids and like, holy crap. I mean, look, I'm no medical director, right? But that sounds like bunk to me. Right, because I mean, just think about it, right? Just think about what that was said. So it's because it's only anal sex. He said that's because that's why AIDS and everything like that spreads through the community is because this evil of anal sex, the semen gets into the bloodstream and reduces. So wait, just 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 out of curiosity, buddy. So is it also true then? Say if 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 like you know a woman is having her period or like before and after, and there's some blood that's kind of like around there that, that, you know, and then you have sex with no protection that can make it to the bloodstream. Or if you have oral sex, God forbid, does it make it into the bloodstream? And therefore, I mean, it's, it just sounds, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. And if maybe you're you're a medical director out there listening to this show, maybe you're a medical director listening to this show and you can tell me that I'm wrong, that I'm full of it, that I don't know my medicine, please do tell. But this guy is explaining, as he's rational, that that the library is like, you know, the point by which all this is happening, right? While the attack on our children is there. And he says, this is not about defunding the library, even though he said in that email, you know, about a plan to defund the library. <laughs> this is not about defunding the library, it's about keeping our children safe as they are voting to defund the library. What's on the table is not his, his like supposed report. What's on the table is the budget cut. So this is not about defunding. Then what the hell is it? I mean, this is Telford, Pennsylvania, everybody. And I'm telling you, it is it is something to live in this area right now. It is, I, you know, I lived in rural Ohio for a while. Right? And it was pretty damn conservative. And it was very conservative at the time, like in that area. I have never... I have never been around this degree of just disinformation bred conspiracy nonsense. I mean, this is just so far off the charts. And yes, I know, look, I know historically, right, there have been these periods of time where other conspiracies have taken hold and all this stuff. There's a long tradition of that in American history. But holy crap. This is how effective the right wing has been in kind of like spreading their spores, right? About spreading the zombie fungus to their, you know, whoever they can find. The infection is deep, folks. And now what does that mean? You know, part of the good news of this, right, is that unlike some of the other challenges that we face, like, for example, climate change. Like, climate change, in order to address it, it's going to require a a reorganization of our society. 
and an unprecedented collaborative effort at the kind of national and international level. Like there's nothing, I mean, we can make small changes locally, right? Um, and contribute to a positive solution, right? And we should, right? But that's, that require that is like by necessity and definition, a global problem, right? What's, What's the good news, if there's any, about this kind of like, you know, this level of zombie fungus kind of infection of our, our municipalities is they are in our backyards. Is that the people that are voting, the people that are showing up at these meetings, our kids are in these schools our community members, our seniors, whatever it might be, are using those libraries. So the idea about, say, defunding the public, right, kind of privatizing things, undercutting it, you know, the, getting rid of the administrative state, all that nonsense that Republicans are doing at the, at the national and state levels, they're doing the same thing here. It's locally, right? Except, you know, now we're not talking about the needs of kind of to moving hundreds of thousands of millions of people to, to our side. We're talking about, in many cases, a few hundred votes. We're, you know, it's not, it's one thing to have to show up to a national protest in DC, right? Or to drive out to Harrisburg, right? In the middle of the day for some kind of, um, for statewide thing. It's a whole different thing to drive down the street to your local council meeting. And this is, I think, you know, you know, again, I think this is what's been happening. I mean, it's been, it's slow, like social movements take time, right? And it's slow to build, but this is kind of where things are going, right? People are building right now those organizations so that we can actually begin to take back our communities. And that's also happening in the midst of demographic change. And I'm not just talking about kind of like kind of, uh, kind of race and ethnicity here, right? That, that true too as well, right? But because I'm just, I've never been one to believe that, okay, race and ethnicity is automatically going to translate into something. I've always hated that argument by Democrats like, oh, well, look, as soon as um, kind of white people are in the minority, then everything's going to be fine and we win. No, it just not doesn't work that way. <laughs> and we could see that even in the numbers, right? As we kind of been seeing how Republicans are making inroads in particular kind of communities of color, for example, right? Around particular issues, right? They don't need to win those communities. They just need to cut into enough of the Democrats thing. So I mean, it's like that. And as the Democrats walk further and further away from actually addressing the material needs of those communities, right? Democrats aren't doing themselves any favor on a national level. But here, right, as people move into our community, the one thing, if you, you, you drive around this area, right, kind of where I live, you go throughout kind of Bucks County, you go through Upper Bucks County where, I, where I'm at right now, the amount of building that's going on is tremendous, right? People are moving in. There's these big developments that are going up all over the place and people are moving in. It's only a matter of time until they reactivate the train line that runs through here too as well. I know there's tons of resistance to it now, but I mean, you just start doing the math after a while, right? Because people are kind of commuting to Philadelphia, they're commuting to Jersey, they're commuting to Allentown, right? It's kind of in the midst of these things, you know, it's a really kind of good location in the sense that, you know, people, you could commute, um, somebody who might have a job in Lehigh Valley, somebody have a job outside Philadelphia, and both kind of people can commute, right, in a family, um, all that kind of stuff that's going on. And so this is kind of a quote unquote, a desirable thing. We have three breweries in the area, right? It's been attracting a kind of more, let's say open community, right? I'm not even necessarily going to say progressive, but there's more folks that are kind of like, you know, used to the not craziness, 
right? Not to say that there's not a lot of right-wing stuff here, because there is. Mastriano won our polling place, for example, right? So let, let's just be clear about that. But the, 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 the tendency is in the other direction, right? I think the job right now is I think, and again, what's happening, what these organizations, what activists are doing already, what kind of organizers are doing already is start to build some out that infrastructure, right? Because look, you, the, our biggest challenge right now is not the, the right wing, like, you know, the, the sense, the, the ability of the right wing to make sense. Cause like they're already off the, off the, you know, they're off the charts in terms of like, you know, where the reality starts and ends, right? Our challenge is like something much more rudimentary, which is something like longs of like, look, most people do not pay attention to school boards and city council meetings, right? And that the further, you know, my experience has been the further left you go, right? The, the more you don't pay attention to the locals, right? There's been a, a long-term trend to pay it, you know, that where say Democrats and liberals and progressives tend to pay attention to national politics, you know, to a lesser extent, statewide politics, but local politics, they don't. Right. And it's, you know, and again, it's ironic that we, that it's more difficult to, you know, to find out things about your local, what's happening in your backyard than it is in the state level or the national level. But that's nonetheless where we're at. So that's the good news, right? It's manageable. Right. It, the bad news, of course, not, not bad news, but the challenge, of course, is that, you know, you, you have only so many people, right? You know, you're talking about a smaller group of people too, as well. So it's about to expanding and kind of deeping our numbers around the ground too. So. So there you have it. But I just, I could not resist um, uh, playing you some of that audio, right, uh, for that. So a little bit on a, on a, on a lighter note, um, in Central Bucks School District, um, you had um, another school board meeting. And, of course, there, you know, everything's, again, it's a laboratory for extremist politics over there in Central Bucks. And, of course, there's lots of money behind it. Um, you know, that's exactly why that, you know, we teamed up with Level Field um, to start this community-rooted pack, right? Again, if you want to support our efforts there, you can go to ragingchicken.levelfield.net. Um, we've got the uh, primary coming up, municipal primaries coming up in May. Um, and so we're going to see uh, well, who the candidates are. We're going to find out who's running. Um, and then we're going to do what we can uh, to kind of put our support um, um, to kind of returning some sanity to our communities. Um, and to push back against this kind of like, you know, onslaught of kind of extremist money that has been flowing again. But anyways, that takes me away from my point. Um, but to give you, you know, yet another sense of like how Central Bucks has been kind of start play, starting to play in this kind of national audience. I already mentioned to you, you know, Walter Matherson, uh, Master, Masterson, sorry, from the Good Liars uh, was on Twitter basically saying, you know, the more I learn about what's happening at uh, Central Bucks, um, the crazier it is. Well, he showed up at, this is kind of what they do. If you're not familiar with the good liars, the good liars is they will show up at different kinds of events, right? They will kind of like kind of infiltrate the crowd as like supposedly a right wing person, um, as a supposed supporter of the extremists. And then we'll kind of just like put on the satire button. Right. Um, so he starts, he, so he basically shows up. Nobody knows he's coming. He shows up, right. They got the film rolling and there he is. Um, and making his public comment. And then after he says, you know, I'm worried about the, uh, I'm worried about the, uh, you know, the indoctrination, right. The, you know, of, of our kids, because, you know, I walked in, I saw a children's book that had, you know, two male penguins holding hands. I mean, come on, whatever, you know, I can't believe that's going on. Right. 
And then, you know, he says, you know, whatever. So uh, I'm not going to play the entire thing. It's a three minute clip, but I, I, I've got a, uh, I took out a clip of it. So after he starts to kind of like, it starts to become clear to people that this guy is there and this is a satirical kind of performance. Um, this is how he brings things together. So again, this is uh, Walter Masterton, uh, Masterson. I don't know why I always get his name like that. Walter Masterton of the political group um, Good Liars at the Central Bucks School District School Board meeting. Here we go. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know we need to protect uh, freedom and liberty, uh, democracy and freedom of speech. And the way we do that is by banning pride flags, banning books in schools, uh, you know, you, not allowing people to say the word gay. I uh, want, you know, we get like a schedule, you know, women need to report their menstrual cycles, all that, you know, just so we can, um, we can, uh, you know, preserve, you know, our wonderful democracy. There it is, right? In a nutshell, um, there's what it is. And again, his performance, I think, is pretty effective, right? Um, and it's just been going crazy on social media, too, as well. So, um, you know, um, sometimes, you know, having someone coming in a little kind of outside the box, right, with this kind of performative way, kind of demonstrating the absurdity um, can be very valuable. Um, because we have to we have to recognize exactly that point, right, is that the people that are advocating for these insane policies of, of censorship. And like you mentioned there, we have now these like, want to have uh, uh, women having to report their menstrual cycles, um, like in Florida and things like this, um, because they're banning abortion, want to making sure that nobody's having an abortion. I mean, shit like that, right? Um, to basically increase the reach of the state into kind of women's lives and bodies is just in insane. So he brings it up, right, to kind of like, demonstrate the absurdity and the cons and the contradiction in the midst of this was uh, was a, 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 a good thing to happen, I think, right about now. Um, I think it's going to help put some more attention on what's happening in Central Bucks in this region, so that's great. Um, last thing I want to say for today is that the, uh, um, yeah, we just got news this week, too, as well, that the uh, Penridge High School principal was arrested uh, for a DUI this past weekend. Um, and uh, it's not a good look for the school, I have to say. Um, and it's just, uh, it's like one more thing in the Penridge School District that is is just decimating, um, like, the school's ranking and its reputation and all this other kind of stuff um, for here. And, you know, who I don't know anything about this guy, so I don't want to kind of, like, try to, you know, make this a personal thing. I'm just going to say that just yet another thing that showed up in the local police blotter uh, was, like, early Sunday morning, like, you know, whatever, 1 a.m. or something like that. Um, that happened and that happened at the same, you know, that come, that news comes out. And of course that's circulating like wildfire through the, uh, through the high schools and junior highs and everything like this. Um, and that, you know, and then I happened to go to a, um, a Penridge high school uh, meeting last night about kind of curriculum, not for this, but you know, for incoming students and things like this, it was kind of like a welcome to parents of the high school kind of thing. Right. And uh, it was a little tough to see, like, I think she was the assistant superintendent um, being up there uh congratulating our wonderful school board, as I believe how she put it, for all the things that they do for us and give us, right? Um, which is, which was, it was like a shot in the gut, you know? I'm like sitting there, I'm just thinking about my kid, and now suddenly I'm saying, is this woman a freaking rat, <laughs> right? Is she, that's what she's going to say. She's going to be, 
she's going to be one of the ones that's going to be there advocating for these extremist policies in that freaking high school. Is that going to be the case? And again, I'm not saying that is true. I'm saying that that was my reaction, right? In part because of what this context is. And I don't like being that person, <laughs> right? But here we are. Anyways, everybody, uh, this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Thank you for tuning in today. I um, want to remind you that Monday night at 7 p.m., we'll be back on Out to Coop Live. We'll have Alyssa Bowen back on the show. Alyssa will be, be on the show talking about her latest piece that is uh, basically it's called The Right Has Expanded Its Dark Money Strategy for Dominating School Boards. How timely is that? Um, I also am looking forward uh, for everybody to be able to check out the latest um, um, the latest uh, episode two, I guess, of The Signal from the Bucks County Beacon. That'll be coming out next Wednesday. Uh, remember, The Signal is there twice a month. And uh, Cyril Michaleko, um basically invites folks on. He has a kind of an interview. The podcast runs about a half an hour or so. Um, I'm producing the show. Um, so it's, uh, it's a really great show. I just finished doing some of the production on it. Um, and um, that episode is going to be coming out um, next week. I hope you look forward to that. Make sure that you head on over to um, buckscountybeacon.podbean.com and make sure you kind of subscribe for there. I just know that um, when you launch a new podcast, this is uh, kind of background information for everybody. When you launch a new podcast, in order to get your podcast listed on, for example, op Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or not, not Podbean because that's where it's hosted, or like Stitcher or Spotify or all that, you have to have your first episodes up there running for a bit before and so they can review it and before they kind of accept it onto the podcasting. So that's the only reason why it's not up and running on every place possible, but that will happen very, very quickly. Um, it's uh, probably after we get, maybe after we get that second episode up, I think everything's going to um, gonna be good to go. Um, but for now, head on over to buckscountybeacon.podbean.com to check out, um, listen to the first episode um, that um, came out last week. And uh, make sure you're all subscribed and ready to go for this upcoming week um, so you can hear episode two of um, The Signal um, from the Bucks County Beacon. All right, everybody, this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, I want to remind you, you can help support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Um, I wish you all an awesome weekend. It is going to be one of those surprisingly warm weekends uh, in the 50s right now um, because it's February. Um, but, you know, that's the world we live in now. Um, you're at it. I'm going to try to enjoy it. What can I say? We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Have a good one. See ya. I guess I'll fly away now